why does that intro make me want to buy an ATV? <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to when I see that stuff, but I'm like, I should buy an ATV. I should definitely, I should definitely buy an ATV. Stupid should hurt. Is there a better name for a sermon series than this, right? Especially when it comes to the book of do wise things, good things happen to you. Do foolish things, bad things happen to you. Stupid should hurt. Now, we're going to be looking into some Proverbs, three Proverbs today. We're going to be looking into those. But before we jump in, I got to say a couple things about Proverbs because I'm going to reference back to this a bunch. First of all, first thing we need to know about Proverbs is... Proverbs are not promises, they are probabilities, okay? I want to say that again. Proverbs are not promises, they are probabilities. We all know that there are exceptions to the rule. In fact, in the wisdom genre of the Bible, there's also something called Job, who lives a wise life and then things don't go right for him. There's an exception to the rules, so train a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. Probably, okay? Probably. Uh, and, that's, and that's where we're at with, with, with Proverbs. The other thing we need to know about Proverbs is Proverbs are literally everywhere. They're not just in the book of Proverbs. In fact, in the Bible, there's Proverbs in the New Testament. Sometimes we don't identify them as that, but they're these little piffy little bite-sized nuggets of wisdom that we can just take with us wherever we go. They're everywhere. We live by American Proverbs. We have these little sayings. When I was growing up, right, my grandma, whenever I'd accuse my siblings of doing something that she knew I'd do, she'd say, takes one to know one, TJ. Takes one to know one, TJ. That's a little Americanized proverb. You know, when I would get caught in like a fib growing up, my grandpa would be like, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool. Some of you guys don't know that one. Okay, I'll, I'll stick the landing in the next service on that one. Um, you can't fool all the people all the time. We have these proverbs. The ones that I remember from my childhood are the ones that had the most impact on me getting disciplined or not getting disciplined, right? And so one of the Proverbs, one of my childhood little rules that I had to live by and every kid on my street had to live by was I, was need, I needed to be home by the time the street lights came on, okay? Little tiny rule to live by. And I was always pushing that rule. But one time I pushed it way, 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 way too far. And some stupid things happened that hurt me, all right? So this is what happened. I'm probably 10 years old. And the coolest thing to do when you're 10 years old living in Casper, Wyoming, is to ride your bike. And I had the world's greatest bike of 1994, and that was a Huffy from, from Kmart, okay? And I loved my Huffy, all right? And we had a whole crew of Huffy riders um, that just kind of roamed the neighborhood. And then right next to our little street, there was this like dirt lot where they expected to build houses. But in the meantime, we built dirt jumps in this area. We built dirt jumps in this area. And it's kind of starting to get dark, but I see all my friends over at the dirt jumps. And I'm like, I, I need to go check this out. 
So I ride over there, and in order to get there, you kind of have to go this back route to get there because that's where the main path is at. And as I'm getting there, as I'm getting to where my friends are, it starts to rain. Now, as people who live in the Northwest, we understand what rain is, right? You know? Um, and I always tell people who don't, aren't from here, because they have umbrellas. The rest of us, we're not afraid of a little rain on our heads. Um, but in Wyoming, it doesn't rain a whole lot all the time, but when it does rain, it rains in like flash floods. And the worst place to be when it starts raining like this is in a bunch of mud, okay? So I find myself at the dirt jumps and it starts to pour. And all my friends are like, hey, we gotta get out of here because the street lights are coming on. We've gotta go because the street lights are coming on. And so they back out of there, but I think, I got this huffy. Um, and uh, I just learned this new thing in my, t- in my uh, I think it was second grade class, that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So instead of going the trail back, I just point my huffy towards my house and I start riding. This logic seemed like it was going to work out just great for me. Raining, 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 getting darker and darker and darker. And those street lights are coming on, so I need to get home. And I'm, run, I'm not running. I'm, I'm riding this bike as fast as I can ride this bike. There's probably a big old, like, a big old spray of mud behind me, but I'm getting home. Until the front of my huffy complete, completely submerges itself right into the mud. Right, And I go over the front of the handles and I'm laying there and I'm like, what just happened? And I get up and I'm, I'm, I got mud all over me and I, all I can see is the back tire of my huffy, okay? And this is my prized possession. This is, this is my thing. I need to get it out of there. And when I was 10 years old, the biggest movie in America during this time was a movie called The Never Ending Story, okay? And, and, and the piece that stuck out to all of us who lived in that time was, first of all, a dragon flying scene, and the other one is when the horse gets stuck in the mud of depression, right? Like the, the, the pit of despair. So here is my steed stuck in the mud, and I have to try to pull it out of there, right? So I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, and I can kind of feel that it's moving and moving. I realize it's not moving, I'm going downward. And the other big fear of my life when I was 10 years old was quicksand, which I thought would be a way bigger problem in life, but it ended up not being, right? And so, and so I'm sinking, my bike is sinking, and I keep thinking like I'm losing my steed in the, in the pit of despair. And so I need to wiggle out, right? So I get one of my, I, I take my bike and I use it to sort of prop my foot out. I get one of my foots out, but then I realize that my sock and my shoe are both stuck down there. And then I look down where my shoe and sock would be and there's a hole and the hole just swallows it up, just closes up right there. And I go, this is not a good situation that I found myself in. And so I decide, okay, I'm going to just take this foot, put it on my bike frame and try to get the other foot out of there. Try to get the other foot out of there. And then my other foot comes out. Shoe doesn't come on. I got one sock left and it closes up around there. And I look up and I realize the street lights are coming on and I still got to get home. So just like in the never ending story, I had to leave my bike and my shoes right there in the mud in that moment. And I'm running, 
right? And uh, I didn't realize, so I've always been kind of a big kid, came out 11 pounds. Um, and so I, I, I had to shop in Kmart, which was called the Husky Kid Aisle, um, which I thought was cool when I was a kid, realized later that that wasn't a, that wasn't a good thing. Um, and, uh, and what I didn't realize is how much work my shoes were doing in keeping up my pants. Strange, right? Like you wouldn't think it happened. But I, pretty soon I am running on the bottoms of my pant legs, right? I'm running on and I'm holding on to them and I'm running and running and running and running and they're just coming down, they're just coming down. And, and then all of a sudden it happens. I look to my street, which is still probably a quarter mile away and the street lights come on, boom, and I panic. And so I let go of holding on to my pants and they fly off, they're gone, right? I still got that one sock left. It's holding, it's holding on, right? I get to the end of the street 15 minutes later and the street lights are fully on. We live on this block where everyone eats dinner in the dinner window. And here I am in my Spider-Man tidy whities booking it down the street covered in mud, right? I get to the front of the door. My mom is waiting for me at the door. I have no pants on, still one sock. I'm looking at her, I'm crying, right? And she looks at me, fully, muddy, no pants on. You know what she says to me? You're supposed to be home when the streetlights come on. And I give her a big hug. She gives me a big hug. But she looks at me and she says, you make stupid decisions. Stupid things happen to you. And now you've lost your pants and your bike. Stupid should hurt. Stupid should hurt. When we align ourselves with these little rules, we give ourselves the best probability of a good outcome, of a good outcome. Proverbs 17, 28. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and pull out that puppy right now. Proverbs 17, we're going to look at verse 28. And it says this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. And one up there, it's a different version, but it says this. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You guys seeing what it's saying here? If you don't know things, that's a smart way of saying, hey, if you have a propensity for having stupid things come out of your mouth, the best thing to do is to remain quiet because there's a trick that quiet people have that the rest of us do not have is when they be quiet, every single one of us kind of thinks they're smart. We all do this, right? Like, like you, you see someone who's just mostly quiet and you're always kind of like, what do they know? You know, what, 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 what's going on in their life, you know? And, and, and then if you're a quiet person who takes notes all the time, like that is like, Genius level to me, just in perception. But, but we don't do that. In our society, our proverbs are all about how we should speak up all the time. You know, how many, how many companies, how many different times have you been sold something and it's almost always the same, speak up, let your voice be heard. 
You, your words matter. And here we are in our society and there's a whole lot of talking going on, but a whole lot of foolishness that's being pursued. The Bible's exactly right here. If, if we could discipline ourselves on the things we don't understand and remain quiet, we're going to be perceived as being smart. But instead, we keep, we keep talking. We keep talking. And you look at me, TJ, and go, well, what about the gospel? What, what about, aren't we supposed to stand up for our faith? Aren't we supposed to stand up for our values, TJ? Aren't we supposed to say things? Guys, the Bible's trying to tell us to be quiet because, because there is certain sins that only happen when we use our voices. The Bible is saying, the Bible is saying it's better to say nothing than to speak lies. It's better to say nothing than to speak lies. We are filled with lies in our culture. And I see this, I see this in two different ways. In two different ways. First of all, we all have our emotional understandings. And when something pops up on our phone, um, through the app that we like, we are emotionally drawn to that thing. And without even studying or, or understanding what's going on, we assume, based on the way that we feel, that this piece of information that just came to me on my magical phone device is true. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then we click that share button. We don't just click that share button. We like send it as an email to all of our family members. If, you're, if I'm part of that, like you send me all those links, stop. I don't like that, right? Like, like, like we share information based on the way we feel, not on the basis of is it true or not true. We should be very concerned, church, of what the truth actually is because truth leads to freedom. The other way that we, we allow lies to happen in our society is we do this other thing. We decide that the most compassionate thing we can do is lie. And there's all sorts of this in our society and we know things are not true, but society sort of pressures us into saying, okay, well, I'll just, when that person's in the room, we'll just, we'll just go along with these lies. Guys, there's no version of real biblical compassion that involves lies. Lies break relationship. Lies hurt us. Lies deteriorate families. Guys, Satan's not the father of anything except for one thing, and that is lies. And so the more we lie to one another, the further we get from the truth. And, and when, when we're talking about the truth, I'm not just talking about small t truth. I'm talking about capital letter truth, and that is Jesus. Guys, it is better to say nothing than to speak lies. You know what else? You know what other kind of sins come from our mouth when we speak? It's better to say nothing than to speak gossip. Sometimes we have the true information. Sometimes we got that truth. We got it inside of us. It's, it's, it's there, you know. I'm just saying true things, Pastor TJ. It's not your information to share. You're not sharing it with the person who could benefit from it. And you're doing it for your own divisive benefit. And I know, guys, all of us have been in situations where we need to vent, Right? where we need to like kind of let this stuff out. This is what I would say. If you're in that situation and you don't know what to do with this information, find a third party 
that doesn't know anything about the person who's offending you and talk to them about it and get their advice. This is why it's good to have a pastor or a spiritual mentor or a counselor. It's good to actually have a counselor and a pastor in your life. Why? Because when you don't like what your counselor has to say, you can complain to your pastor about it. And when you don't like what your pastor has to say, you can complain to your counselor about it, right? And and if they're any good at pastoring, if they're any good at counseling, what they're going to do is they're going to say something to you that's hard to hear. Have you talked to that person yet? Have you taught? Matthew 18 is absolutely clear. The first step is we got to go to the person. And this is something I'm learning deeply in my life right now. But when we do the right thing, God's blessing in a probable way flows out of us and it leads to restoration, it leads to redemption. But when we just gossip all the time, we deteriorate our whole community. Guys, can you see this? These social media platforms are filled with with, with lies and gossip. And the more we descend into them, the more our society comes undone. Shut it down. Let's be the truth people. Let's be the people who do the hard things and have the hard conversations. You know what else it's better to do to, to remain silent in? It's better to say nothing than to speak words that lead to violence. I'm going to say this again. It's better to say nothing than to speak words that lead to violence. Right now in our world, there is wars and rumors of wars going on in our lives. And guys, I'm going to be be honest with all of us. We don't know what we don't know about these foreign countries. But, But so many of us have opinions on this stuff. So many of us have opinions. Guys, we might not think that when we type something up or we say something to a friend about these things that we know nothing about, that puts soldiers on the front lines. That will maybe put our loved ones on the front lines. There's no way Christians should be the type of people that would speak words that lead to violence. Words are not violence, but words can lead to violence. And our job as Christians is to be the peace-loving people. That's who we are. Now, I don't have an opinion about that. But you know what? Sometimes the most wise thing to do is to say nothing. And then when people ask you what your opinion is, use these three little words. They're magical. Guess what they are? I don't know. I know, man. It's humbling. Especially as a dad. My kids think I know everything right now. They're going to be teenagers soon, and then they're going to think I know nothing. But, But right now, they think I know everything. And so when I say to them, hey, I don't know. Dad doesn't know what this is. They go, what? What is that? But it teaches them a really important quality, which is, which is that humility of me not wanting to use my words that could lead to something drastic. Guys, we can actually preach the gospel sometimes in silence. Now, I'm usually the guy who says, use words, tell everyone, proclaim it from the mountaintops. But I was remembering a really key part of my testimony, a really key part of what happened in my life for God to get my attention. I was, I was about 16 years old, and I was in a lot of trouble. I had a very violent upbringing and that violence was, was now becoming who I was. I was getting at fights all the time in school. And at one time when I was, when I was in middle school, one, this is about 14 years old, I got into a fight where I hurt a kid to within an inch of his life. 
The next day at school, I got taken out of school um, in the back of a cop car, and my dad had to pick me up from the juvenile, the community juvenile uh, hall in Melpitas, California. And I was, I was right in the middle of these, these violent things. And I was, I was ready to fight. I was fighting mad all the time. The way I communicated was, was through violence and through words that would lead to violence. My sister found Jesus a year before I did. And she got saved in a crazy way where she had to tell her brother every time about Jesus. And finally I screamed at her. I said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. And I thought, I've won this, I've won this argument now. My sister changed it up. One day she came into my room when I was still asleep early in the morning. And she threw a bunch of pictures on the bed in front of me. And it was all of her friends tubing and wakeboarding and kneeboarding. And she's like, TJ, at this summer camp I go to, they do wakeboarding and they do kneeboarding and you can learn to tube. Would you like to learn to wakeboard? Of course, sis, I would love to learn to wakeboard. That sounds awesome. And she's like, well, hey, grandma will pay for you to go to this camp and you can, you can, it's basically wakeboard camp. I'm like, yes, I'm in. Now, there were signs. Before this happened, my grandma bought me a Bible. Why do I need a Bible for wakeboarding camp, right? Not just like any Bible, like the Ryrie NASB study Bible. That's a big old Bible, you know? I, I have that Bible still, you know? Um, and with my name on it and everything. And I was like, okay, I, I probably need this for some reason. I put it in my bag. We left from a church parking lot. And I spent the next nine hours as we headed over to Dorshack, Idaho, quoting Eminem lyrics on the back of that bus, okay? And I wasn't getting nearly the response I usually get from that material. I'm like, what is happening here? And then we get off the bus. The youth pastor, who had no idea who he was a pastor, gathered us all up and said, hey, let's pray for our week. And then my sister, she's avoiding eye contact with me now. (laughs) Or she's bowing in prayer. One of those two things is happening. And I'm looking at her and I'm, I'm thinking, what? what is this? And I felt duped. And so I decided that I'm, I'm going to go home. The only way to go home is to get kicked out. And if there's one thing I'm proficient at at this point in my life is getting kicked out of situations I don't want to be in. And so I start speaking words that would lead to violence. I start talking about fools' mothers, okay? And, uh, and I'm going up to all these Christian kids and I'm saying horrible things to them. And you know what? they remained quiet. Or if they did speak, they would say things like, well, that's an interesting opinion. (laughs) That's your mom I'm talking about. (laughs) I couldn't break that culture. These kids who grew up in Sunday school, they they knew the Proverbs. They knew that when you're faced with these things, it's better to say nothing in these moments. And, and, and during that week, God, through the sermons, kept on just speaking and speaking and speaking to me till the last night when the preacher said, we need a savior. And I was like, I'm there. I'm absolutely there. I need to be rescued from my own pit of despair here. And then that night alone in my one-man tent, I prayed for the first time in my life. Changed everything about it. But guys, imagine, imagine if there was one Christian at that camp who was willing to go into it with me. I would have been gone from that moment and the trajectory of my life would have been altered completely. It is an okay thing 
for us to learn to say nothing. It's actually a discipline thing for us to learn to say nothing. Let's look at another proverb because we don't want to just think, so is it just our job as Christians to never speak? Or, or just to just, just stop talking and just shut off the world? No, there's another proverb. But like I said, there's proverbs all over the Bible. And this proverb isn't in the book of Proverbs. What? Um, it's actually in James. And James is the closest New Testament author we have to someone who speaks in Proverbs. Little nuggets of just truth bombs that you can carry with you wherever you go. So in James chapter one, verse 19, it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. If you, if you wanna highlight something, highlight listen right there. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. So you guys get it here? We're not just supposed to be quiet and shut off our ears. There's a lot of Christians who've done that over the years. They just, I'm, I'm gonna go live the monasteric life. I'm gonna shut the world off. I'm gonna plug my ears. I'm not gonna say a whole lot of stuff. And they make no kingdom impact, just keeping themselves safe. So when we shut our mouths, we're told to also engage in another discipline. And that discipline is listening. Man, have you guys met people who listen really, really well? Those people are amazing. Listening communicates care better than anything I know. And I know this because my wife's superpower is listening. God knew that I had a lot of words to speak throughout my life and there was gonna need to be someone there who was gonna listen. I speak even when there's no one in the room. That's usually crazy. And I kind of thought I might be a little crazy. And then my two boys arrived on this planet. And now I see them speaking to themselves all the time. I go, okay, I'm not crazy or it's, um, being passed on to them. So at least I'll be surrounded by crazy in my life. So, so my wife, Britt, has these three men, one man and two boys in her life who are always talking and even talking when no one's around. So God made her a super listener. And you know, one of the cool things about Britt is, is she has so many great friends and her friends always feel cared for. And it's not because she's good at getting those thank yous in, you know? It's not, it's not because she's like a good gift giver. It's because when her friends talk, she listens. She doesn't just listen like with a blank face. She smiles when it's time to smile. She frowns when it's time to frown. She gives you verbal cues like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and she allows you to say everything. And that communicates care in such a way that that's awesome. Guys, if we became the people who got so good at listening, we would communicate care to even our enemies. And that's what the Bible teaches about loving our enemies. Listen to what they have to say. Guys, you don't have to believe what they say. Most of the time when you're talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus, you're not going to believe half of what they say. But you need to listen because you have to communicate that you care. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the way you do that is by, by actively listening to them. You communicate care. There's another piece of listening that listening develops understanding. Almost all of conflict comes from misunderstanding. In your life, you have probably had the same thing play out over and over and over again. You get into a conflict with somebody and it's bad. 
and then you break apart for a while. Then you come back and you have that sort of discussion and you find out that what they were saying wasn't really what they were saying. And what they heard you saying wasn't really what you were saying. And you miscommunicated. Why? Because we spend so much time talking and very little time listening unto understanding. It helps us to understand what's being said. Again, guys, we're going to hear all sorts of things that we don't have to buy into, but we should at least understand it. We should at least understand it. Now, James here, he's saying, he's saying slow to speak. Now, now, like I said, this is a, Proverbs are built in probability, but some Proverbs are built in percentage. Now, I know that sounded really nerdy. nerdy. Some Proverbs are built in probability, other ones are percentages, okay? Um, but it's true. And what James is saying here is you should listen this much and you should talk this much and then you should get angry this much. That, that's what's going on here. And while we are listening, we, we communicate care and we communicate understanding. It, we, we, and then the last thing is that once we have care communicated and a good understanding, that gives us enough time to formulate our thoughts. So when we just get that little window of amount of time that God wants us to talk, we say the right thing. We say wise words. We say things that that breathe life into other human beings. Guys, if you just get this little thing down, listen this much, talk this much, and get angry this much, and you care for people, you understand them, and you breathe life in them the, with the wisdom that you're developed through the discipline of waiting to talk, people will know Jesus because that's who Jesus is in our lives. That's who Jesus is in our life. All right, one more proverb to continue to build on our thought. If you open up your Bibles to Proverbs 16, verses 24. Now, remember where we started. It's better if you're a fool to remain silent. James furthers that and says, he says, uh, he says be slow to speak, slow to get angry, and quick to listen. So, so we're supposed to remain quiet. We're supposed to listen. And when we do speak, Proverbs 16, 24 says this. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I want to read that again. Grace words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Guys, we love the truth here at Grace Point Church. We preach the word every single week because we love the truth here at Grace Point Church. But we are also called Grace Point Church. And so our truth will always be tried by our ability to give grace. Our ability to give grace. If we can learn to be the perfect balance of grace and truth, that is the best spirit on which to preach the gospel because that is absolutely who Jesus was. Grace and truth, gracious words that healed souls. And we're in the run-up to Easter right now, right? And every time we get to the spot, I start to think a lot about Jesus's pain on the last day of his life 
um, before he died, but then was raised to new life. The amount of pain that he suffered, he was tortured. The crazy thing is he did exactly what we see here in the Bible. Isaiah said he was quiet like a lamb being led to the slaughter. You you see this in, in the passion story of Jesus. Like people are talking to him. This is a great teacher. Teachers are good at talking. In fact, when Jesus talked, they said he had authority. And so his authority would would move mountains. But in this moment, it's not his mission to be speaking. It's his mission to be quiet. And so the only time he speaks is when he needs to fulfill prophecy. And when he needs to extend grace. And so you see him being quiet, being quiet, speaking a little truth here. Being quiet, being quiet, and speaking a little truth here. And in the last moments... Before he dies, the Bible tells us this awesome story, which is the perfect example of grace and truth. Jesus is hanging on a criminal's cross. There's no such thing as an innocent person's cross until this day. Jesus is hanging between two criminals. And right in front of him, there's people mocking him. They're mocking him the whole time. And Jesus prays for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. But then the criminal over here on his right hand side looks over and he starts joining in with the mockery. The irony is not lost to me. He's in his final hours of his life too, but he can't help but jump in with the mockers. I thought you were the Christ. If you're the Christ and you have authority, come down from that cross. And Jesus has every ability to come down from that cross. And and he's being tortured on a degree that no human has ever been tortured before because he's not just bearing one person's sin. He's bearing the sin of the world. Excruciating pain in this moment. Jesus says nothing to him. He doesn't have to because there's another criminal on his left side. And that criminal looks past Jesus to the other guy on the cross. And he says, this man is innocent. This man is innocent and you make a mockery of him. When we die today, justice will be done. But then he looks at Jesus. And he says something beautiful. He says, Jesus, Yeshua. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. He got it. He got it. And Jesus is there in the middle of of these two criminals, and he looks over. And remember, he hasn't spoken much today. And he looks at this man straight in the face. He says, truly I say to you, on this very day, you will be with me in paradise. Gracious words that heal the soul right there in that moment. Guys, think about the theological impacts of what just happened. This is not a small thing. The last person before Jesus died on that cross, the last piece of his mission was to save one more sinner. One more sinner. And you think about that conversation he had a few days ago with with his boys. And they come to him, they say, hey, who's going to sit on your right and left hand when you come into the glory? And Jesus had to in that moment think, neither one of you boys, that spot's reserved for a sinner who's coming with me to glory. Gracious words 
that speak truth to all of us. Guys, there was a moment in my life when I felt like I almost lost my faith. I was 18 years old and I didn't like coming to church. Even though I found Jesus, I loved going to youth group, but I didn't like going to church. And the reason I didn't like going to church is because every time I went to church, I felt judged. Because I came from the other side of the tracks. Because I wore my hoodie and my sweatpants and a hat to church. And in my independent Baptist church, that stuff was like bad. And I would sit by my friends. And the only reason I came to church is because my friends were there. And one day I got there and I couldn't sit next to my friends. So I was about to leave. And I caught eye contact with this little elderly person who was just patting the seat next to her. And I was like, no, don't sit down. Don't sit down. I sat down. I put my hat on. I put my hoodie over my hat. And I hid for the rest of the service. Because in my mind, that lady wanted me to sit next to her so that she could tell me what I've been told before, that I wasn't good enough to be there. And so in my mind, I did a theological debate with her, right? In the silence of my own brain. Because I knew that after this service concluded, we were gonna get into a little bit of a debate, right? And I was sitting here telling her in my heart, in my head, you don't know me. You don't know me. God looks at the heart. You look at the out. All you can see is these baggy sweatpants. But God knows that there's something good in here. And I was just doing, and by the end of that sermon, I was tired. Because I had thoroughly in my mind destroyed her in this argument. And I decided, I've already won. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And so I get up and I can hear that she wants to talk to me. She says, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, nope, I'm walking away. And she hooks her finger into my sweatpants pocket. And you guys know who wears sweatpants. That's risky business. <laughs> and I've already experienced being pantsless in public too much in my life at this point. So I stop and I grab my pants back from her. I'm thinking, she really wants this. But when I look at her face, I don't see judgment. I don't see condemnation. You know what I see? I see concern. I see I see a grandma looking at a grandchild. And she goes, hey, what's your name? And I said, TJ, you know, getting ready for it. TJ, pats the seat again. Why don't you tell me something about yourself? I sit down. I tell her, I'm in a crisis of faith right now. Because I don't like coming to church because I feel judged. I, I was called to be a youth pastor, but I don't get good grades, so I don't even know if Bible college will, will take me. I met this girl, her name's Britt. Her family doesn't like me, so I don't think it's going to work out. I tell her everything. We talk for like 20 minutes, and it's just me talking, and she's just actively listening as I'm communicating the deep problems of my soul, the deep teenage angst that's in this moment. And the whole church clears out, and it's just me and her sitting there. And I'm done telling her everything. And she looks at me, and she goes... TJ, when you walked in today, God told me you needed prayer. And what you don't know, TJ, her name was Ethel, by the way. What you don't know is I'm a warrior. I was like, oh, okay, Ethel. Okay, <laughs> Ethel. And I'm like, what does this mean, you know? She says, I'm a prayer warrior. And I want to pray for you. I'm like, let's do it. Let's pray right now. She's like, no, 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 no. You don't get this. I have this prayer journal. 
And I pray through it every single day. And I'm going to put you right at the top of my prayer journal. And I'm going to put it as a top priority. And if you don't mind, TJ, for the, every day I want to pray for you. And every day for the next five years, I will commit to praying for you by name. All of that gracious words, all of that silence, all of that wisdom just hit me like a rock. Why would this person care enough to do that for me? Guys, I know there's a God because I met Ethel. I know there's a God because I met Ethel. Because five years to that very day of Ethel starting to pray, I got my first call to be a youth pastor. She prayed me into it. She was banging on the gates of heaven on behalf of TJ, some kid she met at church. Grace that changed everything. What if we became a church? What if we became a people who spoke this much, listened this much, and had an understanding and a grip of the kingdom of heaven so that we will not let anyone fall through the cracks. Today, warriors, prayer warriors, use your words to uplift those around us. Let's pray. God, thank you for Ethel. In every way that mattered, you sent me that sweet old saint. And I know that this was now almost 20 years ago. And I'm sure she's walking with you now. But I thank you for what she meant to me. Thank you that she listened actively. And she spoke wisdom into my life. And she didn't stop speaking on my behalf, even when I was done being at that church. God, I pray that we would be a church filled with warriors. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you, TJ. And I love that man right there. Hey, before you guys head out, we just wanted to give you a few little things to be thinking about. Everybody got this in their program today. It's a little handout for Fulfilled. We are launching a new annual night of worship this Friday. Anybody here come to Recharge last year? How was Recharge? Yeah, you're not going to want to miss Fulfilled. It's going to be a wonderful night of worship and community. Use this card as an invitation tool. Hand it out to a friend, a coworker, a family member, and have them come along with you. We'd love to see you there this Friday from 7 to 9. Kevin? And speaking of fulfilled, we want to continue to partner with you. We've been talking a lot about this, about people growing in their relationship with God. In your programs, there is this piece of paper, and I want to make sure everybody is aware of it. We have fusion classes starting next week. You can still sign up. There's still room. And the great thing is we're doing them on Sunday morning so you can attend a service and then attend a class or vice versa. So make sure that you uh, get the information. And then on the other side, there are some very specific, whoa, is the time up here? Uh, did you pay the electric bill? Uh, on the other side, uh, there's some specific 
uh, classes just for men and just for women that are starting in April. We hope that you will partner with us uh, as we want to see more and more people grow in their relationship with God. And if you are new this Sunday, if you're first Sunday here, we have a gift. We're so glad that you chose to be here this morning. Go to the guest services counter as you leave. We're going to give you a gift just for being here. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. Bye-bye.